This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Speaking of books, when are you launching your book and any other future plans? Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. It's been a while since we've done a Q&A specifically for the show. So let's hop in and answer some questions. First one, what is the difference between a social media manager and a community manager? Love this question. I've actually thought about doing an in-depth kind of video or podcast about this topic in particular. Let me know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube, if that's something that you'd like to see. But the long story short is a social media manager is primarily responsible for the content calendar, you know, coming up with ideas to post, managing the creation or the delegation of who's going to go ahead and create that content and scheduling it out onto the platforms primarily. Now, a community manager is more on the engagement side where they're going to actually be like stimulating conversations. They're going to be maybe going into forums, maybe going on Twitter, maybe uh, going into discords, things like that, and talking with potential customers community members. There are really different models or different job descriptions for any company. Of course, when I worked in corporate, my first social media job was actually a social media community manager job. And I pretty much interacted with our um, clients and things like that through the brand account. But sometimes a community manager is actually asked to do that through their own account or through like a, a personal account of some kind. Maybe let's pretend that I worked for Mac and, you know, Apple, and they wanted me to get a Twitter handle called Latasha Apple or something like that. So it kind of depends, but I definitely see that role being more and more important these days, particularly as we're seeing more live streaming platforms like Twitch, you know, you can have mods that are basically community managers and discord and things like that. So that's kind of like the high level difference between the two. You can also do both. Of course, a social media community manager. That's kind of what I did in my first social media job. I was scheduling the content, but then I was also responsible for engaging and talking to people and things like that. I am bad at copywriting and I'm not able to find good resources to learn from. Can you suggest some? Sure. Um, so what is this book called? It's called The Copywriter's Handbook. I will link it in the show notes. That's one of the first copywriting books that I really reached for when I was kind of first starting out in this industry. It is very specific towards writing for the web, which I found to be really important, you know, writing blogs and social posts and ad copy and things like that. So if you're just looking for a book resource, definitely recommend checking out that one. As far as like courses or YouTube channels or anything like that, I don't know of a ton offhand. If you know of any and you're watching this, feel free to leave a comment on YouTube. I will say um, there's obviously like Anne Handley, there's Copy Hackers. Those are kind of some of the bigger ones. Also uh, Terry Schilling, he's been on this podcast actually. I'll try to find our episode and link it in the show notes. And he has a great Twitter account. I think he has some courses as well. So I really like him and I think he um, is really smart. He's always sharing tips and things like that. Um, oh, and Grammarly. <laughs> I wish this was sponsored. It's not, but honestly, just for a really simple day-to-day -day kind of 
piece of education or knowledge check, I really recommend Grammarly. It is a browser extension. You just download it. It's free. I just use a free version at least. And even just the process of like getting those corrections and those suggestions for your day-to-day -day writing really, I think has helped me become a stronger writer overall. So it's not like a course that you're taking, but you're kind of learning on the job, if you will. And then lastly, I just thought of another resource. I haven't tried this one myself, but I actually, I recently interviewed Cherie Cobb on my Instagram live and she is a former social media management accelerator student and she creates like amazing TikToks and things like that. Anyway, she recommended a tool called Copy AI. Haven't tried it myself, but she definitely recommends it. And there are a lot of these sort of AI copywriting tools out there on the market these days. I definitely like to try one for a video in the future, but my gut instinct is that they're, you know, they're good and bad. I think that they're probably a good place to start if you have like a long blog post or something that you're trying to edit down into a social post, popping it in there will give you a starting point, but I think you're still gonna have to edit and you're still gonna want to edit it and add that human touch to it. So I think that they, just like Canva, you know, Canva doesn't replace a graphic designer, but I think these uh, copywriting tools can probably help kind of, um, empower you a little bit. So definitely a few resources I mentioned, you can check those all out, I'll link them. What was your experience like with your first client as a freelancer? So I'm realizing that I've actually told several different versions of this story and I want you to know it's not because I'm lying, it's I guess I have a bad memory about this stuff. So my first like long-term ongoing recurring client was from Upwork and that was a $20 a blog post gig. I did that for a while and then it eventually turned into like a social media copywriting job, which I really liked, which I also also stayed at for a while and that was really you know my first freelancing but I did do a freelance gig before that and I totally forgot about it so I went to school for vid uh, film and video I was working at a nonprofit as a you know an intern at the time my nonprofit it shared a building with another nonprofit and I kind of befriended or this person befriended me who worked at the other nonprofit. Basically it was a friend. I don't know why I had to do that long convoluted story, but I met a friend at work and they were a little bit older than me. So they were already out of college. And I had told them of course, what I was studying and what I wanted to do. They had a friend who was an author who needed a kind of like a book promo kind of YouTube video thing uh, shot for them. And so they threw my name out there and the author wanted to work with me. And I'll be honest that like my imposter syndrome certainly kicked in in that moment because I had never shot something that was not for school or for my YouTube channel. The author was big and important. So I definitely had a bit of imposter syndrome with that. I said, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. I didn't even have a microphone for my camera. I was just like using the in-camera microphone. I was not really a pro, but I, I went for it and I did it. And I think the video turned out really, really well, you know, for, for the equipment that I had and the skill, the skill level that I had. So yeah, it was a good experience overall. It was scary, it was intimidating, but I just went for it. I knew that I knew the knowledge. I knew that I knew how to do it. I just needed to like work up the courage to actually shoot it. And yeah, it was really, really fun. And I think it worked well for her because the author's book actually got turned into a movie. So, I mean, I'm guessing she probably sold a lot of books. I'm not saying I'm responsible for that. That, but you know, it is part of the process, right? Speaking of books, when are you launching your book and any other future plans? Okay, so um, writing a book is definitely an experience. I, I would say I'm probably like a little over halfway done with my first draft. So if I really want to crank it out, I think I can be done with the first draft in the next couple months. My goal is really like early summer to be in the editing phase, but I really don't know when I'm gonna be putting 
putting it out into the world because I don't know what I'm going to do as far as publishing yet. I haven't even went that far yet. I don't know if I'm going to be looking for a publisher, which means I'm going to have to look for an agent and all these things, or if I'm going to be self-publishing, which means I'm going to be having to hire an editor and a book designer and, you know, do a lot of that launch work myself. I'm kind of torn because obviously by self-publishing, I'm going to be doing everything. Working with a publisher is a lot easier from what I hear, you know, you're doing a lot less of, of the hands-on stuff, but you also typically make a lot less. I mean, unless you're some hugely important thought leader or whatever, you're not getting like some six figure book advance, you know? So I have to decide, I think if I want this to be more of a thought leadership piece, maybe get me onto some bigger stages, get me in some bigger boardrooms and just use it as that and not really think so much about the revenue aspect, or if I want it to be a revenue driver and something that I'm actually selling and, you know, trying to put into the, the business mix. But like I said, I'm not really letting myself get there yet, to be honest, because I'm really just trying to enjoy the process. I'm sure this is going against a lot of advice, a lot of advice that I've read about writing books that actually sell and all that stuff. But you know, this first draft is really for me. That's how I'm looking at it. I need to get these words out. And then afterwards I can kind of put on the commercial lens, put on the business lens and say, all right, Latasha, what's gonna sell? What's gonna make sense for your business? And so on. So long story short, I don't know. If you do want to follow along the book writing process, I haven't shared too much on YouTube just because I know that's not really what a lot of people are here for, but I did start a Substack, which is basically like a blog slash newsletter. I've been updating that like every other week or so. It's just wordsarehard.substack.com. Please don't subscribe if you don't care. Like you're not gonna get social media tips on there. It's legitimately me telling like random stories from my life and sharing updates on how the book is coming along. So don't subscribe unless you truly want to, but you can find more there. Okay, as far as future plans, other future plans, we are wrapping up sales for the Social Media Management Accelerator round three right now. So you officially have one week if you'd like to be part of the third cohort. You have one week from the date of this podcast going live to secure your spot. So I'll make sure to leave that link in the show notes for you. Love that course so much. It's eight weeks. It's really interactive. Um, it's just so much fun. And seeing the transformations happen of people who are just wanting to become social media managers or who are really struggling with their day-to-day -day workflow and then seeing them graduate and just have so much more knowledge and so much more confidence is truly a wonderful thing. Then after that, I'm actually planning on kind of a fun little passion project. I've been talking to you all on here a little bit about how I really want to do some more stuff with video. I'm really passionate about video. It's a big part of my business, a big part of why the business has been successful. So I really want to help you all create some long form videos as well. So stay tuned for that. I'm working on kind of like a little hybrid between a course and like a accountability group, a challenge, if you will. So stay tuned. There's going to be maybe a fun little collaborative element too, which I'm really excited about. I think it'll be a really fun project. And then after that, like that's all I've got planned out so far. I don't even know what the fall is going to look like or the winter, but that's already a lot. <laughs> Speaking of how do you balance exploring new ideas versus staying focused, i.e. new business revenue streams? Oh, I would say this is hard. It's hard because I was talking about this to someone recently, like my advice to you is to stay focused, but my advice to you is also to diversify your revenue streams. So it is, I, I understand how it's a little bit confusing. What I'll say is I think start diversifying your revenue streams once your main revenue stream is 
profitable and sustainable, you know, you're able to repeat that success a couple of times, like really make sure you get that sort of formula down before you try to do way too many things. And this is very general advice because of course, like I know entrepreneurs, I know friends of mine who, who don't follow that. Like they do the opposite. They're like all over the place and more power to them. So you kind of do have to like listen to what works best for you, like with any business advice. But what works for me is doing something, proving its sustainability, meaning I can repeat it a couple of times, it's profitable, and then trying something new. Um, and also I'll say, you wanna think about your audience, of course, like at the, I mean, at the beginning of the day, you should be thinking about your audience and what is truly going to serve them and what is going to not confuse them. You know, I try to make sure that I stagger my launches and my projects. So I'm not like offering five different courses that are all limited entry. They're like cohort based and live at the same time, because people are going to get really confused. They're like, well, which one should I choose? And I don't want people to be in the position where they're having to spend thousands and thousands of dollars to join everything, you know? So making sure that you are also keeping like the user experience in mind is also quite important. So that's my advice there. What's the virtual office service that you use? I'm just curious. So I honestly just use a co-working space. Um, there's, I, I won't say the exact one that I use, but there's a co-working space around here that I really like. And so I'll go in there and work every once in a while, but it's pretty rare these days. Most co-working spaces have like a male only or a male addition to their plans. So I'll be transparent. I think I pay like 40 or $30 or something like that. Just be able to have a mailbox. My name is on the door, which is pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know. And they scan my mail or forward it to me if it's like a package or something. So it's pretty affordable. Just check around at your local co-working spaces. I'm pretty sure um, WeWork and stuff does it, but my recommendation would be to look at smaller local ones if you can. One just to, I feel like my dollars go a little further there and helping a small business, but also I think the pricing is a little bit better at local ones. How to generate leads for service-based businesses through Instagram marketing, exact points to conquer. So I would say, I mean, just look at some of my videos on lead magnets and sales funnels. I think it's important if you're going to be marketing through Instagram to be able to point to something that gets people into that sales funnel, meaning you are collecting an email address. So create a lead magnet. This can be a PDF. It can be a video series. It can be, you know, anything really a discovery call, I guess, or like a free one-on-one, -on -one. create a landing page for that, where you collect emails or you book a meeting with them and then use an email tool like Flowdesk is my favorite one to keep them in that sales funnel, you know, and start delivering value to them, start selling to them. I think that's probably the best like exact points that I can recommend for you. Other than of course the basics, like staying consistent with your posting schedule and engaging and like checking your inbox and things like that. Have you ever considered doing something other than marketing? Yes, I still am. And I, I think I actively am, you know, I love what I do. Don't get me wrong. But I think as I think about, you know, the next 10, 20 years of my life, I don't know that this is what I want to do for that long. And I don't think there's any shame in that. I think sometimes people, people have left comments on my YouTube channel, like, oh, you don't do that anymore. And it's like, yeah, cause I'm not the same person as I was seven, eight years ago when I first started my career, I have a lot of passions and interests and things I want to do in my life. So yes, I definitely, you know, five, 10 year plan. I, one of my dreams is to own like a, bookstore, coffee shop, small venue, you know, 
like acoustic music venue or something like that. I think that would be so, so fun. I know nothing about brick and mortar <laughs> business ownership though. Could be way over my head, could be way more expensive than I think. I don't know, you know, I really don't know. But I'm definitely keeping that on the vision board, on the long-term vision board of something that like maybe I will do in five or 10 years. Other than entrepreneurship though, I'm gonna be honest, not in a long time. I mean, when I was younger, I worked in a lot of different industries. I worked in retail, I worked in politics. Um, and I think that's where I really wanted to work for a while, but that was many years ago and things were different. The climate was different. It's, it's a little hot these days. So definitely don't wanna do that anymore. So yeah, I think, I mean, since I've been like an adult, I've really only ever wanted to work for myself. Uh, okay, these ones are a little bit more on the personal side. So if you're gonna tap out, we'll see you next time. The first one is how are you today? And thank you so much for asking. I am doing quite well. I'm feeling good. I'm really loving the spring weather and it's making me feel a lot better. <laughs> uh, what keeps you motivated to work so hard? The thing I wanna say about this is I, I do work hard, but I don't work like so hard. And this is something I've really been challenging myself to do over the past, you know, year and a half or so is not work so hard. So yeah, I mean, I do definitely work hard, but I also take breaks and I work hard at letting myself relax and enjoy life. But who I work so hard for or what make, keeps me motivated to work hard, honestly, is like my family, particularly my nephews and my niece. I just think like knowing that they're watching, they're so observant and they, they just like tell me stuff about myself that I forgot I said or did. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're watching me, you know? So I think it's really important for me to be a good role model for them. They have a lot of great role models in their lives, but I wanna be another one, especially when it comes to career. And I think just like my future in general and my family's future as well. I just, I really don't want to have to be like hustling into my way later years. That doesn't sound fun. It doesn't sound healthy. I wanna, you know, work hard now when I'm younger, when I have a lot of energy, when I have more time so that I'm able to enjoy my life a little bit more in the future. Are you watching the Elizabeth Holmes show? Yes. I don't watch a lot of TV, but I had to watch this show. It's on Hulu. If you haven't seen it yet, please tune in. It's fascinating. I'm, I, I think it's really well done as a show, but also, it's just really fascinating. It's a fascinating like look into Silicon Valley culture in like the early mid 2000s. It's kind of creepily accurate. I mean, I've never like worked in Silicon Valley, but a lot of my startup founder people that I know are so like that in their own way. Like, no, they're not all frauds, but there is definitely this startup culture of like making yourself appear more important than you are. And, you know, kind of like these little white lies to get into certain rooms or to get access to certain people to fund your projects. That is a very real thing. And I think it's even real in online business. And it's forced me to kind of examine, you know, my relationship relationship and you know my how I'm portraying myself and things like that because there is a certain like little level of phoniness to certain types of businesses and I think this is a really interesting example of it like I said I'm not saying everybody is a fraud like Elizabeth allegedly was in this show but it is quite it's really interesting and it also just like brings me back to that era of you know when Facebook was still so new and like all this startup stuff was still so new they do such a good job even of just the music 
and the fashion of how well the phones, oh my gosh, we were dying about the like the phones that they were using. I'm like, oh, okay, I know exactly what year it is because she has an iPhone 5C now and it's a good one. I highly recommend it. Have you been working out lately and do you have any exercise tips for work from home-ers? <laughs> You've been looking great. Thank you so much. That's so nice. Um, No, I am not a gym rat by any means. I so wish I could be one of those, you know, gym baddies in like the, you know, workout outfit <laughs> looking cool. That's just not me. I, I hate working out. I hate not being able to breathe. I hate sweating. <laughs> I really do not. So my tips on this, um, and, and also like to answer the question, maybe what you're seeing, if you are seeing a difference, I don't really like weigh myself or anything like that. It's probably what I've been eating, which I've been vegan for about a year now. And I definitely have noticed a change in myself um, since that. But uh, my advice for working out is honestly like, do what you know that you can do. And for me, I really love to walk. And so I walk every single day. Some days I walk for a really long time. Some days I'm just walking around the block. But if you know that you are not a person who likes to work out like myself, like do move your body in the way that you know that you can commit to. Even like this weekend, we hung out with my nephews and we were just like playing catch in a park. Like that's fun to me. I was like, oh my gosh, we need to play kickball next time. That sounds really fun. So if you need to like gamify it or whatever, like play with your kid, play with your nephews, play with your dog, that counts. I think sometimes we feel like unless we're going to the gym and like pumping iron, it like doesn't count as working out, but you know, it, it does. It counts as moving, moving around. And that's, I think really what most people need to be healthy. Now, obviously if you have these, you know, intense fitness goals being like super ripped or whatever, like that's never been my goal ever. I just want to be healthy and feel confident in myself. But yeah, to achieve those things for me, it's mostly just about eating right and moving at least once per day. All right. Last question. What was middle school Latasha like? And I love this question, obviously for selfish, like nostalgic reasons, but I also love it because one of my pieces of advice to people when they're trying to figure out what the heck to do with their lives or their careers, at least in the moment, is like, think about young you. Really, young you knew, like young you gravitated towards certain things naturally. Young you was good at things, certain things naturally. And I think that looking back to times when maybe we were the happiest or when we felt the most free can really be helpful. And for me, one of those times was definitely middle school. I loved middle, middle school. I think it was my favorite like era of school. High school started to get a little too real you know, life started to get a little hard. I got my first job and stuff. Elementary school, you're still very much a kid, but like middle school, I felt like I really started to come into my own, felt, you know, a little more grown up, but not too grown up. So anyway, um, I, I'm going to see if I can find some pictures. I was a drummer. I played drums. The first song I ever learned how to play was Iron Man by Black Sabbath. I was in jazz band at school, but like we also played rock and roll and uh, rock and roll. Why did I say that? Um, as far as music, I was listening to a lot of like post-punk and metal. I wore like bondage pants and, you know, band hoodies. Like I all black, only black ever. I would say I was goth, but I think I was mostly more like a poser. What else? What else? Um, I had two best friends. I, I've never had like a lot of friends, but I did have two best girlfriends. So we were like a little squad. That was fun. They weren't goth. They were like normal and thought I was kind of weird, but they still loved me anyway. I also started writing during this time. I started writing poetry, which is weird because I don't write poetry. Like I haven't written poetry in years. But yeah, I think I was actually kind of good because my teacher like submitted some of my poems to a magazine, which was pretty cool. But yeah, I think those were like the big personal attributes about me in middle school. 
What else did I do? Yeah, I think drumming was really my life. Like I really loved playing drums. All right, I'm gonna ask you all kind of a selfish favor here. If you're watching on YouTube, these videos tend to do usually pretty well in terms of views, but I usually get like no comments. So please leave me a comment, help me out with the algorithm here. Let me know if you have anything interesting to share. Actually, like, let me know what you were like in middle school. This is what I actually truly want to know. And my selfish ask for the podcast listeners, if you want to go ahead and rate and review the show, it would mean the world to me and helps other people find our community and join it and learn from the show as well. And yeah, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. It was kind of fun. And I hope I will see you back here next Friday for a new episode. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.